Tim Arkell, of the Principal Landscape Architect of Waterman Group. And we're talking today about the Gravenhill Village site, which is part of Bister's eco-village development. And it was one of the largest self-build housing schemes. There's up to 1,900 new homes self-build being developed on this site. It also featured on Channel 4's The Street, um, which was a grand designs programme hosted by the inimitable Kevin McLeod. However, um, we've decided to redress the balance a bit because a lot of it was focused on the architectural side, the fact that this was part of the growing self-build movement in the UK following some of the European models. But actually what we haven't heard enough about on the television series was really how the landscape played into this, whether it was the sustainable urban drainage or the engineered tree pit solutions. And there was another multiple um, set of landscape elements included, including swales, community orchards, allotments. So Tim, who had a real big hand in this delivery, is going to talk to us a little bit more about those details and show us how the landscape really has complemented the built infrastructure here. So go ahead, Tim, tell us a little bit more about this scheme. Cool, yes, thank you. Um, I've had the pleasure of um, working with Waterman uh, to coordinate a lot of the environmental services that have been uh, involved in the delivery of the project. Um, the external design has included a, a strong network of green infrastructure linkages radiating out from Ravenhill Wood in the centre of the site through um, green links out to the surrounding agricultural landscape. Um, the design has, as I say, been a complete collaboration between the Waterman environment environmental and engineering staff to provide some holistic solutions to design problems uh, and, and actually realise the opportunities that the site had in terms of landscape design, external spaces and actually uh, grey and green and blue infrastructure. Um, so the external spaces are actually delivering multiple benefits in terms of say highway, amenity, ecology and cultural heritage as well. Really. Um, the external maintenance as well, the, the, the kind of amount of time that we were expecting that the, the contract to be maintained for it was also extended to ensure that whatever was designed was fully implemented and actually properly established in the ground. Um, uh, some of the, the key landscape elements that, that have been designed into the project have included um, a gateway park and attenuation pond which is sort of hardwired in as part of the, um, uh, the surface water attenuation uh, solutions to the site. Uh, drainage swales, which also double up as pedestrian cycleway links and habitat corridors for uh, community bats as well. Uh, there's a new commun community orchard has gone in. Uh, there'll be new sports pitches, um, entrance green, village green, open spaces, uh, woodland play area, and very strong avenue tree planting through the, the kind of core of the site, which would be a real asset, I think, to the project. Um, and also the, the site itself was overlaid on a sort of former agricultural landscape and there was a real opportunity to actually reinstate some of the traditional uh, landscape management techniques that had perhaps lapsed in the past so we've been able to, to reinstate uh, uh, wildfire meadow management, coppice management of woodlands uh, and new, uh, laying of uh, existing field hedges um, to, to actually maximise their potential in terms of habitat and uh, landscape value. Um, in terms of tree planting, this has been sort of hardwired into the project from, from the inception really. Uh, species diversity uh, has actually started to, to reinforce climate and disease resilience. Um, we've used uh, disease-free certified um, elm trees within the project. Uh, use of native tree and shrub planting of known provenance as well to support uh, habitat corridors and, and establishment. Um, we've also used ornamental species where the urban context has justified that. Um, 
and also hardwired it into the, the adoptable lighting scheme, working with the local highway authority to design out future maintenance conflicts. Um, what else have we done? Uh, we've also used regional apple and fruit varieties within the community orchard, which were preemptively procured from a specialist nursery as well. Uh, and also, in terms of getting the right tree in the right place, we've sort of defaulted to, to the use of large canopy tree species where actually space will accommodate them um, to well, bring maximum sort of cultural and environmental value. That's critical, as you said, sort of cost control on these sites is also really key. And mm. you wanted to ensure that the right systems were used in the right place for the tree planting. And obviously there was a mixture of soft and hard landscape on that site. So you were talking to me a little bit about where you decided to use cell systems and where you didn't, which is really that application of the TDAB principles of justifying where to support the tree in the paved surface and where not to. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think where we had the opportunity to actually design out the use of artificial systems, um, which include the sort of incorporating tree planting into areas of soft landscape, areas of grass, um, street verge areas, that was actually a cheaper system that will probably be better for the trees in the long term. But actually where you've got the right context, an urban context, actually you do need some of these additional systems. So the use of uh, strata cell, tree root cells, uh, the use of irrigation systems, all of those, those key products were brought into play actually uh, in the right location, where, which was tended to be some of the very urbanised parts of the site. So for example, the high street and the urban lane areas where there, there were no soft landscape elements to, to, to reuse, actually the, the sort of uh, blue-green urban products were actually uh, key to delivering the trees in those locations, which couldn't happen otherwise, and doing it properly as well, and both working with the highway authority to make sure they could be adopted within highway areas, working with Green Blue Urban to establish the, the right soil volumes that we needed in given locations for the tree species we'd selected. That was really key to getting it to, to work properly. So really it's joined up thinking from the council perspective in terms of planning policy, the highways team to say these systems, we can adopt them in the right place, and actually pragmatic approaches to design where you're using them in appropriate locations and actually everybody is happy at the end of the day with that compromised position. Is yes, that certainly. I think having the right conversations at the right time, bringing everybody into play, having the right conversations and actually be able to justify how and where you've used these products, both to, to people who will be involved in maintaining and adopting the products, but also the client who's paying for them, actually how and where have you used them and why have you used them. To, to get best effect. And how, have you connected the tree pits to sustainable urban drainage systems on this site? You mentioned a few connections there. But... Yeah, I mean, the tree, trees are linked both within uh, the, the Gateway Park attenuation pond and, and swales indirectly in the space itself, but also within the high street area, we've been able to link the strata cell, strata root cells actually into the, the surface water drainage system. So again, that was simply working preemptively with our drainage engineers to ensure that it could be hardwired into the, the drainage strategy that they, they have in play for the site and they, they could actually use the trees as part of the, the system rather than it being a, an optional extra or an inconvenience. So what's the future for the development then? You've mentioned that it's not quite finished yet. There's a few more things to come. So what lessons have you learned? What will you be doing on the site moving forward? Indeed, it's it's a really interesting site in terms of the, the whole self-build concept means that we have lots and lots of different self-builders running around doing their own thing, building out their own properties. So there are elements of the project which we've been able to complete, uh, which aren't likely to be damaged by sort of third-party construction activities. So for, 
example, say a lot of the tree root cells have gone in the ground early doors. But actually a lot of the tree planting itself will actually get delayed until the construction activities are, are finished and then it can all be done properly in the right season on mast um, without fear of damage from say, construction. So the, the phased approach is slightly unusual I think but actually will lead to a better long-term product. So what other sort of key takeaways from Graven Hill would you apply to other schemes that you're working on? being such an unusual pilot are there, are there things that you'd sort of encourage other consultancies to take on board from your experience yeah certainly i think um joined up conversations from, from the start including people who might not necessarily want to talk to you or think to talk to you in terms of perhaps the highway and drainage engineers uh, involve them at the earliest possible stage have the conversations understand where they're coming from what they need um and actually how you can both establish a design that works for both of you. I think communication, the right question at the right time. Absolutely. And what's your favourite part of the scheme? What do you think was one of the best wins on that project? Because there's always a, an element that you're glad made it through the whole design process. I think actually the, um, the attenuation pond area is really striking. It could have been a really dull engineered basin of water, but actually it's, it's an amazing area of open space. It's an amazing habitat. Um, and it's just right at the entrance of the site. It's the first thing you see as you come in, actually, is a huge water body that was never present there, which can only be there because of the, the development itself and the, the extent of hard surfacing that now is generating the water that is supplying the attenuation pond itself. So, yeah, I do it. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time, Tim. And uh, we'd encourage everyone to catch up on the uh, Grand Designs episode and also take a look at the council website to see what's, what's next with the new phases of development. Thank you very much.